morning first covenant. We got started a little bit late, but that was due to some technical difficulty, difficulties. So I'm going to get you started by just kind of a greeting time as you join us. Um, I would ask Juliet to come and tell me to name one thing she's looking forward to doing outside now that the weather's warmer. And what are you looking forward to doing? Barbecuing. Barbecuing. All right. At least she's going to play a little bit more for us. And go ahead and answer that. It's pinned at the top. Name one thing you're looking forward to doing outside.
And our mission here at First Covenant is to connect, grow, and go. And that mission holds true even when we are going through a crisis. And all the communities that are represented as you tune in, it's not just Lincoln people that are listening right now, but all those communities have been impacted by the crisis that we're experiencing. And we want to be people of hope and people of help. And, and that, that is our mission here at First Covenant. Covenant. So, so if there's someone who wants to be more connected to that, that mission and connecting with others and growing and then going, um, I'm going to direct you to our website, firstcovenantlincoln.org. And there's a tab there, and it's been pinned at the top of the comments on our Facebook feed. There's a tab called Latest News. And if you are someone who needs some help and some hope right now, We'd like you to fill out that connection card. There's also a spot for prayer requests. Uh, you'll also see the connection card is something you can click on on our Facebook feed, as well as the prayer request. It's a w way for you to fill out the form and so that we can get in touch with you and stay connected to you. So we want to connect with you if there's something you need prayer for, or if you find that you need help in, for something else, we want to be able to connect and do what we can. And if you're wanting to be a person of hope and help yourself, uh, go to firstcovelincoln.org, latest news, and you can find out plenty of ways to be part of the mission here at this, in this church. So basically what I want to say is whether you've been part of First Covenant for 40 years or for the last five minutes, go to the website, firstcovelincoln.org, and latest news, and check out ways that you can participate, because we want to connect with you. I'm really grateful for those of you who have given generously of your finances. We want to be people of generosity as well during this time, and we're thankful that you've been doing what you can. We're thankful, we're proud of you, and there's an online option for giving. There's, there's also, also, you can, can mail, mail in your checks. checks. All, All the information, information that you need to know can be found on firstcovelincoln.org for giving and for latest news and ways to get involved. You may have noticed if you already are receiving our uh, group emails that there is a new small group beginning and all the small groups are encouraged to join in on the study of First Peter. And you may be wondering, well, how do I do that in a time of social distancing? Um, physical distance is what it is, but we're not distancing socially. So, you know, you can set up a Zoom, a Zoom account and begin having Zoom meetings with your small group or here, let me grab, you may be tired of looking at your laptop all the time. I've had so much delight in visiting people, sitting in the driveway in my lawn chair. I keep this chair in the trunk of my car so that I can visit whenever possible. So go ahead and set up a Zoom meeting with your small group or pick the best weather day of the week. What else do you have going on in the evening? You can sit in the driveway and enjoy some connection with your small group. If you are interested in a new small group um, that's done by Zoom and just for this season, that would be um, led by Beth Staswick and you can contact her to get um, set up for that meeting. Uh, studying First Peter is what we're going to be doing. Now, we, as I already mentioned, are in the middle of the First Peter study, and we know that it's not easy living through a crisis. 
I don't need to spend any time telling any one of you that life is hard because we've all had hard experiences in our life in the past, present, and we know that we will have challenges in the future as well. But I've got a treat for you this morning. And what's important to remember isn't how hard life can be, but how we handle those difficult moments. And that's what shapes us and transforms us into who God has called us to be. And that's what we're talking about with our First Peter sermon series. The author of First Peter talks a whole lot about hope. And I've asked, I want you to consider the question we asked last week about where do you find, you find hope? hope? I want you to consider how you would answer that. And today we've asked uh, Vern and Linda Hansen to join us from their home and answer the question, where are you finding hope? This is a way for you to get to know someone else in our congregation in a meaningful way, even though we can't all be in person together. So, Vern and Linda, can you tell us where are you finding hope? Well, um, as some already know, I like to fish. And Peter in John 21 verses 1 through 19 uh, went fishing. And to uh, allow his uh, subconscious to gather all of his information after all of his turmoil. And uh, he came to know, uh, his renewed his convictions to the Lord. And I enjoy the uh, warmth of the sun, and the pun is intended. And I also enjoy the fresh air, the uh, uh, all being out, in, out amongst the nature. And um, and that's where I find hope in the Lord. Also, there's a, uh, a passage from Isaiah 40, verse 8, and it says, the word of our God will stand forever. And now, Linda? That's a good verse. Well, um, I find hope in the word. There's all kinds of passages. I mean, it take days to go through them all. And in the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives and through praise. And I would like to emphasize praise this morning because anytime I have a difficult situation, I can sit down at the piano or just sing and the Lord has to interpret because I'm not a musician. <laughs> but it just gives me the encouragement I need. And if I don't feel well, I feel fine in about 15 minutes. It just Praise is just an amazing tool. So, um, and some of the, I used to journal the Psalms and sometimes I go back to that again because I went through them five times a long time ago. And when I think of Psalm 119, 105 to 110, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path because you have made the Lord your dwelling place the most high, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you and no plague shall come near your tent. And it's just a way of whether the Lord takes you to be with him or whether he keeps you here. It's just a promise to know that the Lord is not going to forsake us. Fern and Linda, that was wonderful. Thank you for sharing about fishing and about sitting at your piano and singing psalms of praise. That's actually a wonderful segue into worship this morning. 
um, will be led by Garrett and the worship team as we sing songs of praise. And we're going to even sing one of the Psalms this morning. So let's worship our God together through song. Take a step in. I want to show you something that I have. 
I found it on sale. Did anyone get one of these in their Easter basket? A bunny like this? It looks pretty good, doesn't it? Looks really yummy. And I wish I could stick it through the TV and let you all have a bite. He looks really good, but you know what? Once you bite into him, he's hollow inside. There's no chocolate inside there. It's empty. Hmm. I thought I paid for a lot more chocolate than that, but apparently this bunny has nothing inside. There's nothing inside but air. And you know what? We can, sometimes people can be like that, or we like to say beauty is only skin deep. What's really important, as you already know, is what's on the inside instead of what's on the outside. On the outside, you can say you love someone, but then treat them not so well. You can say you love your brother or your sister, but then you go and make fun of them to your friends. And that's the difference between what's on the outside and what's on the inside. When I talk about the fact that it really matters, what's on the inside is what counts, and it matters to the people around you, and it matters to God. What, what I mean when I say that it matters what's on the inside of us, I'm not talking about um, muscles and the blood pumping through your body or your bones. Uh, what I'm talking about is what kind of people we are. Do we show love to others? Do we care about other people? Do we show love, probably most importantly, to the people that we don't love so well? Do you get along with your brother and sister? Do you pray? Do you ask God to help you? Um, do we carry God around in our heart is kind of what I'm talking about on what's on the inside. These are the things that would make us kind of like a good solid chocolate Christian bunny instead of a hollow bunny, so to speak. So what's in your heart? Are you kind to others? Are you willing to help your mom and dad? Do you obey your mom and dad? Do you pray for other people? Um, do you obey your teachers? Do you get along with your brother and sister with a smile on your face? The next time you think about um, whether you're going to do the right thing or not, and you're presented with a chance to treat your brother and sister well, or obey your mom and dad or a teacher, next time you find yourself in that situation, there's something I want you to remember. I want you to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. God loved you so much that God would rather die for you than stop loving you. And God has asked us to love others and bring them closer to Jesus. So would you pray with me right now? And then we'll sing again. You are our risen Savior, God. Help us to love you with our whole heart. Help us to love you with our whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole body. Help us to love others as you love them and help us to want to be close to you so that we can bring others close to you as well. Amen. Let's sing together.
in your living room right now. Please join me as we do this responsive reading. This is the text from Psalm 40, which David wrote in a time of stress, a time when things were not going right for him. And this is a time where this psalm applies to our lives as we deal with this new thing, the corona pandemic. Please read these words with us and make it your prayer. I will read the white words. You can read the yellow words. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, we cry out to you. We cry out when we don't know what the future holds, when we are mired in a bog of anxiety, stress, depression, joblessness, financial situations that are hard to understand and predict. And we put our faith and our trust in you because you are the good, good father. And we do not know how long we have to sing these songs to pray these prayers, but we trust and put our faith in you. We claim these promises, Father. As David wrote, you are the one who will lift us up. Amen. Let us sing these words now. Please join us as we sing 40. For the Lord, He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. How long to sing this? song. 
Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Evan. Glad you're here this morning. As Pastor Jody said, we are in a series on 1 Peter, and so we're going to begin with a reading from 1 Peter. The actual text this morning is 1 Peter 1, 17 through 23, but I'm going to start us at verse 13 if you're following along. Um, and I do encourage you to find a Bible or open up uh, the app on your phone, however you can this morning, and follow along in 1 Peter 1. Starting at verse 13, Peter writes, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it, is, it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and enduring word of God. I want to talk about hope this morning. And as we begin discussing hope, let me talk first about video games. Uh, When I was a kid, about 10 or 11 is when the Game Boy, the first handheld pea green screen handheld video game system came out. And uh, as a little kid in the late 80s, this was a brilliant invention. And I remember uh, working hard because I, I knew I had to buy it with my own money. Nobody was going to buy this for me at 10 or 11. I worked hard throughout the summer to earn the money for $89.99 to buy the first Game Boy. And uh, I earned $90. I grabbed my $90, and of course I couldn't drive. 
at the age of 10. So uh, my dad kindly drove me to the store and uh, went up and the clerk got the Game Boy package down off the shelf uh, to sell to me. And I handed him my $90. Of course, as a 10-year-old, I didn't think about sales tax. I'm quite thankful my dad bailed me out on that one. And uh, thus I had the first Game Boy and uh, could play it endlessly. I bring that up in the context of hope because of this. We, we should recognize that hope impacts belief. Hope impacts belief, and belief becomes action. So I had hope that I could earn the money to get this item, this Game Boy, as a 10-year-old. And my hope impacted my action because I believed it was possible to achieve that, to get that, to earn the money, to, to get the thing in the end. That what I, what I believed was what I did, which amounted to what I was hoping for. Now, Peter is telling us something about how to fill that hope so that the rest of that makes sense, that what we hope for is what we believe, and that becomes action. Peter is telling us that your hope, everyone's hope, a right hope needs a means living a holy life. It means putting it in the right place, the holy one, and that results in a holy life. That's what Peter's telling us. And holiness is a central theme in 1 Peter. It's a, f- a central theme in the Old Testament because he quotes Leviticus. If you go to verses 15 and 16, Peter says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. God is holy. The entirety of the Old Testament really is pointing towards that reality is probably, if not the main point, one of the primary points of the Old Testament, that God is holy and to be in relationship with God, we need to be like God in that way. There needs to be some godliness in us, holiness, in order to be next to a holy God. Because holiness, before you even define it, you have to understand that it functions kind of like uh, a ruler. We understand what the length of something is uh, because we've determined what that length is in the sense of holiness. God is the standard by which we measure everything else. God is not like holiness. God is holy. We measure what is pure, what is right by God and by God's standards, and anything less than that is unholy. God is holy in character, meaning omnipotent, that is all-powerful, meaning eternal without beginning or end. Glorious. And if we recognize God as holy, then that should put in us a sense of awe in the most real sense of that word. We are struck with the magnitude and glorious nature of God as holy and as other and uncreated. When it comes to human holiness then, and and what it means for us to be holy, in a simple sense, a, a holy thing or a holy person would be set apart But what needs to happen for that to occur is purity, that it needs to be purified in some way to be holy. And that's what Peter's telling us. He's talking about uh, God being holy, that we're called to be holy because God is holy. That's who God created us to be. But the problem of human holiness is simply we aren't. We are not holy. In our confirmation class with our middle schoolers, uh, one of the catechisms that we use uh, is uh, it's building block six for those confirmation students follow, following at home. What are the results of sin? Because that's the problem with human holiness is we do the opposite of what God wants us to do, which is sin. And that makes us unholy. 
even if we've done it just once, it makes us unholy. The results of sin, though, are broken relationships, a weakening ability to obey God, and eternal separation from God, the Catechism reminds us. Broken relationships, weakening ability to obey, and eternal separation, it would be the final conclusion if we don't fix the problem somehow of unholiness. When it comes to the relationships that are broken, it certainly affects this, but it primarily affects this first and foremost, and then it ripples out and affects these. It affects this one relationship we're designed for. We're designed to have a relationship with God in close communion, and unholiness affects and breaks that chain of being in relationship with God. Furthermore, unholiness and our contribution to sin each and every generation vandalizes God's creation so that the problem just gets worse, not better with each generation. There's a snowball effect to sin. And even the next relationships become that much harder to work through because sin is that much worse of a problem with each successive generation. And we're all complicit in the problem of sin. Nobody's guiltless when it comes to sin. Nobody's free from that. Thus, the result is we're no longer holy. So we get to a text like Peter quoting Leviticus where he says, be holy because I'm holy, and we're struck with a problem. We're not, and we can't fix the problem. And God's solution to the problem, and we should recognize also that, that God's intent is that relationship, that this relationship would be put back to right and back together. If you look at the Garden of Eden, what did God create? He created a place where God could walk with humans in close relationship. Even if you look at God's continued rescue plan of something like the Exodus, where God frees his people from Egypt, takes them out into the wilderness as their God, they're dependent on him. What does he do when they set up their camp? He puts his presence in the middle of the camp and everybody organizes their lives around it. That's how it's supposed to work that we would organize our lives around God and God's priorities and be in communion with God, which only works if we're holy. And God's solution to the problem of holiness is to make humans holy, but he can only do that through Jesus Christ. He purifies us through Jesus. And Peter tells us specifically it's through the blood of Jesus that he does this. In the Old Testament, when they made a sacrifice, those sacrifices were designed for uh, redemption and reconciliation uh, of what God what had been broken by sin. Peter tells us here in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. Right? That the relationship was somehow plucked from the problem to put back, back to right that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And throughout the Old Testament system of bringing forth a lamb or a, a dove or whatever might be brought forward for sacrifice, it's the blood that purified the relationship. The blood was the life of the animal, and the blood then was taken because the natural consequence of sin would be separation from God, as we read in the Catechism. It's death, ultimately, that ends in separation from God. But the blood, taking the life of the animal, at least symbolically, becomes the purifying agent to symbolize purity, sprinkled on the altar to say, now this relationship can be put back together even for a time. 
And if you can think of, of the longing that's there, and that should be there on our part, and that's definitely there on God's part, it's kind of like when you're in a, a situation with somebody who you're close to, but there's tension in the relationship. Have you experienced this before? Where, where there's a problem between two people, and you know that you want to be together, or you want to do things together again, but you have to resolve the problem. There's tension there. You want the tension to be gone, but you can't just say it's gone. You have to deal with the problem. The blood symbolically dealt with the problem and made pure that which was impure and said, okay, now an unholy thing can be made holy and come into contact with God. Of course, for the Old Testament, it was only temporary. With the blood of Jesus Christ, now this blood once for all can purify anybody who will receive that purity. And then the resurrection of Jesus Christ then makes clear that death is no longer an option for those who choose to be made pure and thus in close relationship with God. Hope impacts our belief. Belief impacts our action. And the conduct of hope, if it's set on the one thing we should hope for, which is that relationship with God that we all should long for, the conduct of hope is holy living. That is, we're made right by Jesus to become like Jesus. That's what Peter is telling us. We reflected on how this sort of affects relationships, how this affects life. How does holiness affect our hope? We should recognize the opposite of what happens first. When we've talked about sin and being unholy, sin sends hope for a tailspin. It it sends it downward, not upward, toward God. And it's hard to have hope when you're mired in this life only, when you're not focused on the one eternal, glorious God. Ultimately, it's hard to have that hope when we're unholy because we're, we're rejecting the things of God actively and regularly rather than living for them. 1 Peter 1.13, he says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As a commentary from the 8th century, a man named the Venerable Bede, he pointed out, he said, you must be pure and chaste in your minds, waiting for the Lord to come. But here's the key. He says, for if someone is unable to please God now, it is certain that he will not receive the reward promised to the righteous when Christ comes. If we're walking towards uh, holiness, being made pure by Jesus to become like Jesus, Our hope is set on the right thing, and we're really practicing for eternity is what we're doing. But we're not going to do that if our hope is set on anything lower than God and God's holiness in us. So sin sends hope for a tailspin because we're not hoping in the right things. Holiness requires a clean conscience. That is, when guilt weighs you down, we need to let go of that so that Jesus can purify us so that our hope can be set aright, because it can be set on the right thing, if we'll only receive the the purification of the blood of Jesus. And we have to recognize another thing about the uh, holiness and its effect on hope, and this gives us a long view, is that God will judge. Peter tells us that. God will judge. But what we have to recognize that is, that could be great news. In fact, if we recognize that that God wants to do away with evil and sin, that is great news, right? God, uh, his desire is not to condemn, but to save what he created. That's good news. 
while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So God could have judged, but instead he said, I want to make you holy. I want to give you that chance to be made right and in right relationship with me. And thus we can be adopted into God's family. God desires to judge and rid the world of sin, not of humans. But where sin remains, God will judge accordingly. And we can think of it this way when it comes to sin. Uh, If it's a rainy day, and if my dog is out in the backyard, and she's running around chasing squirrels, she comes to the back door coated in mud. The desire I have is to let the dog in, but I don't want to let the dog in while she's mired in mud, right? Because it's going to get everywhere. It's not clean. It's not pure. It's unholy in that instance. She has to be cleaned up. I'm judging the mud, but it's attached to the dog. In the same way with us and sin. God's going to judge the sin, but if it's fully attached to us and hasn't been purified, we're going to face the judgment as well. But God, through Jesus, wants to purify us. So the sin is judged, and we are saved. So how does holiness affect action then? Merrill Tenney, the New Testament writer, says we are trying to live as redeemed, holy, in a world that is hostile to God's holiness and hope. And we can't live a holy life or even aim for that if we too are hostile towards God's intent. If we're still mired in sin, if we're still unpurified, then at the end of the day, we're actually self-interested, not interested in the things of God. 1 Peter 1.22. Peter says, now that, you have been, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. That's going to be the effect. This relationship is made right. And as this relationship is made right by being made holy, this relationship and all these relationships are made right so that we have this love that's falling into place we can love as God loved and love as those who have our hope set on the right thing. You see, hope impacts belief. Belief becomes action. And Peter says a right hope means living a holy life. I want to take time to pray right now for that holiness and if you today are feeling weighed down by guilt let's just take a moment to acknowledge that and confess and release it let's pray lord your son jesus christ came as a holy sacrifice for us to make us holy and make us pure help us not ignore that truth help us not ignore that reality where guilt where sin weigh us down where we're stuck and our our hope is too low, where our our hope is stuck on uh, when the stimulus payment will arrive, on what the future looks like for my job and those things, all things that are important. God, help us set our hope higher so that those things fall in place too. And we recognize that you're with us through all of those. You've called us to something higher than the day-to-day, but you walk with us in the day-to-day. And God, where we have put our hope in something lower than you, where we've turned from what you desire and want from us, Lord, we take time to just lay that before you and confess. We say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not living in awe of you. 
I'm sorry for thinking that you're a created being and not uncreated and eternal. I'm sorry for thinking that you're not all-powerful when you actually are. I'm sorry for thinking that you want to judge me when you actually want to judge sin and save me. So, Lord, save me today. Lord, save me today. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus, who came to purify and save us. Amen. Let us sing one more song.
these words from First Peter as our benediction today. In verse 13, he said, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope. Do what? Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Go in peace.